back to the fifth season of the Impact Education Leadership. This is episode 112. I'm your host, ID3 for Isaac Brown III. Tonight's comments are Doug Crow, Dr. Teresa Persant, and Buddy Thorne, the Positive Social Change Agent Pro. Buddy Thorne, the Positive Social Change Agent Pro, please say hello again to the people. I'm looking forward to this podcast uh, more than anyone could ever know. We know we are too, sir. And Doug Crow, please say hello to the people. Hello, everybody. I'm so, so grateful to be here today. We're grateful to have you as well. And Dr. Teresa Prasad, please say hello. Isaiah, thank you for the invitation. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to this conversation. Oh, wow. You know, tonight gives me chills. Don't even know why. I just feel like the lineup for tonight... It's just, it's so special. I, I'm speechless. All I know is I got goosebumps. I cannot wait. The topic tonight is combating COVID-19 through strategic planning, coaching, and change management. Leading and motivating employees to perform ultimately amidst a global pandemic is only possible with compassion, it's only possible with empathy and community. Working together has never been more vital than now. As leaders focus inside, internally, to the external, outside of their prospective markets, leadership focus will enable them to lead from the heart and the mind but first the heart leaders also need to align their approach with their actions to take the organization through this crisis and this technologically new frontier pivot into the digital age every successful person in leadership will require to communicate effectively. They're going to need clarity. They're going to need decisiveness. They're going to need the capacity for embracing the challenges and managing the transitions and segues and the turns that we have to adjust to every day. As leaders attempt to respond, they must also place the safety of their employees at its core. In addition to employees, it is so vital, it is so important, it is so crucial to identify all critical contributions to help ensure there is inclusion, there is diversity, and that there are new strategies. Not reinventing the wheel. If it's not broke, don't fix it. But working all together, all together in this matrix for a very, very successful future and workforce safety. Tonight, I, I, I want to pull from a special, special friend, 
a dear friend, as a matter of fact, and brother of mine, big brother, Buddy Thornton, the positive social change agent pro, who has been through a lot. I'm going to let him tell you about it. Buddy, please say hello again to the people and let us know, you know, what's going on in your world, sir. Well, thank you for the prompt, Isaiah. I'm currently at home convalescing from a breakthrough case of uh, the COVID Delta variant. I was vaccinated in the spring, but uh, COVID is relentless and unforgiving. And it got me in late August, and I spent some time in the hospital. And now, thank uh, our good Lord, I'm at home convalescing. Uh, It's given me some time to do a lot of research, and I'm working on completing my second book on uh, contemporary morals. And uh, I'm giving me some time to reflect and uh, and reassess my role, especially in uh, in light of COVID-19 and, and how I should be working with and, and working through the people who work for me. And uh, tonight's topic certainly plays into that. But that's where I am now, and that's what I'm doing currently. You know, I'm, I'm so proud of you. You know it. I can never say it enough. As, as I think about you and 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 all that you've been through and experienced, you know, a few words come to mind. One is opportunity. And, and opportunity, if you really look at it, for me, it cost. Opportunity, vital moments cost. Sometimes we sometimes we have to ex- experience things that are life changing for us to really realize how valuable life is. And, and the second word that comes to mind is, is possibilities. Because there are so many possibilities with life. I, I wanna ask you a question. I wanna, I you know, I know you're gonna help start this discussion off um, very robust. Uh, very mm, compassionate like you always do question for you buddy for the positive social change agent pro how important how important is it to place the safety of your employees and your family members above your own wants and desires during this pandemic or this endemic plague however you want to label it but how is how important is it to place the safety of your employees above your own at this time Well, I say I want to preface my answer by saying that, sadly, one of my employees, uh, a gentleman who worked for me for 18 and a half years, passed away in January from COVID. And the legacy that I've tried to leave with my people and my companies is one of servant leadership. I've never shirked the responsibility of if I'm going to ask someone to come to work for me, I'm going to relentlessly work for them. And I don't believe the pandemic has ever changed that dynamic. I believe that the role that we play as an owner or a manager, a leader, has to start from the heart. It has to start from 
what am I going to impart to this person? What have I got to offer to them? What can I give them in six months? What can I give them in a year? And when you're faced with a pandemic like COVID, the number one thing you must provide them is safety. Not only safety for them, but safety for their family, safety for your clients. And to do that, you just have to follow some simple rules. Number one, you need to actively listen and you need to be aware of what difficulties lie in their path. You have to empathize with what they bring to the table. And if you're always an active role player in their world, if you put them in their moral world, they're going to come to you. You can never ignore the cry that they put out in front of you. You make choices every day. Am I going to be the plan B that's going to help them get through the next little gateway that they're facing? Am I going to be the one who demonstrates humanity? Am I going to be the one who elevates their sense of worth? You have to make those decisions. It all starts with servant leadership. Now, Robert Greenlee made servant leadership uh, a modern thing in 1970, but servant leadership has been something that has been with humanity since ancient times. It's spoken about in the Christian Bible. But the one thing about servant leadership that people tend to ignore and forget is that when you live your life by the tenets of servant leadership, not only do you protect people and you put their worth and their value before your own, but you will influence them to mimic you. You will get them on the same path. All of a sudden you see them making choices to do the same for the people around them. I have employees who worked for me for a long time. I've only lost two employees since 2003. My legacy is I don't let people go. I let people go their way by their choice. They voluntarily go to a higher plane. They seek self-actualization. They reach self-actualization. And then they come back and they say, we want to thank you for what you've provided. But in a pandemic, all that means nothing if you don't provide them their safety. So yes, how important is it to place safety above everything else? Well, you know, you can't prevent people from doing things when they're not working. You can't prevent happenstance from invading their space. And I'm living proof of that. I, all, through all the precautions I took, I still caught COVID. But at the end of the day, if you do everything that you possibly can do, you've done your job. And then if something does happen, you extend as far as you possibly can to show them that you empathize with their plight. You need them to understand that you would not be where you are without them. And then they will always look back and say, I know and I would never be where I am without you. That's the importance of putting universal positive regard and the safety of employees above your own, regardless of the pandemic, but certainly during the pandemic. As, as you spoke, buddy, during the probably just uh, because you know how, how I feel about you, sir, and, and it, it gave me chills. It literally gave, and it gave me chills. Um, you know, when 
when you lose someone that you care about. When someone that you care about gets sick, gets ill, have a close call. It's like it's like hanging on a cliff. Nothing is going right. Nothing anyone can say can really comfort you. And and you wish that this nightmare could be over. I heard so much strategy. I heard strategy, I heard facility, I heard competency, but with all the strategy in the world, with all of the competency and facility in the world, you still contracted a life-changing, a life-changing virus. And it was, it was nothing but the grace of God that he poured out that that you're here. You know, we we cannot you know, people are going to Mars, people are are, are traveling the universe, but but we are not God. We we do not know um, his will, his purpose, you know. But we know we have a purpose in his purpose, in his will. And so that's our opportunity, I think. I, I feel like, you know, our, our opportunity is, is to change lives by whatever experience people have when we're in their presence. We change their life. And, and sometimes God allows us to stay here and change lives. And sometimes God, you know, will take us with him because, you know, our, our, our assignment was fulfilled. And I'm so grateful. Uh, you know, I'm so grateful to have you here with us, Buddy Thornton. Um, let me go to my next, my next guest. Uh, a very noted, noted professional in her field. A very sought after educator and teacher um, that delivers, I would say, sophistication, uh, a system, a, well, what's the word? Sophisticated exchange of information. Uh, with that being said, I'm talking about Dr. Teresa Percet. Please tell us to the people that love know what you're doing, Karen, please. Thank you so much, Isaiah. Um, well, what am I doing? I am an adjunct professor. I teach at two universities, and I teach in the School of Business. I love business. I love business, and more, more than that, I love teaching. So um, teaching is my passion. I'm a new author, so my book was just published in January, The Power to Navigate Your Destiny, and I offer five essential principles that, um, that, that will help people to, that, that, that I experience that I want to share with the world on how I accomplish um, things in life while, while going through a lot of trials and tribulations. Um, uh, fortunately, none of that had to do with COVID-19. I do have one experience with COVID-19, and that is a, a former pastor who actually um, funeralized my daughter, my 32-year-old daughter in November. 
of her sudden death. Well, the pastor, two months later, he died of COVID. Um, and this was before the vaccines were even available to any of us. So, um, so within a two-month span, um, it was just devastating to lose two, two souls that was um, very, very close to me. I must say, you have so many hidden powers. And I believe that this is a part of your journey. Right? Your, your journey has been... Oh, it's, it's, it's real. It's real. Your journey... Your journey has been life-changing. You have turned ash to treasure. You have risen from the ashes of life victoriously. It is giving you a poise. It's giving you a posture. It is giving you a, a, a inner strength. But yet you exude humility. Almost as if you are fluid like water and you have been poured out. Though your trials, they're relatable. You just heard Buddy speak before you. Your trials have been catastrophic. Most people would have lost their mind. But instead, you have turned them into your triumphs. And this is why I said, I see your grace. This is why I said, I can hear strength. This is why I said, I can hear those hidden powers that we need to help us navigate through this experience, this time. My question for you. Mm. And it's a deep one, but I'm pretty sure you can handle it. <laughs> and I want to thank you, first off, for coming onto this podcast, too, by the way, <laughs> before I go into this question. But I want you to take your time. I, we want to walk with you. We will listen as you take us with you through your journey, through your experience. And with that being said, how will people and organizations change and grow in the wake of this pandemic? That's, that's my question for you. Um, yeah, I thought about that a little bit. And I think of all the people who had to stay home, you know, during the lockdown. And as a result of the lockdown, people have changed. Um, many people have seen that they are valuable. They've recognized their worth. And they've recognized that I am now spending quality time with my family. And I like that. This is what matters. 
because we could work in corporate America for 30 years, 40 years and get that watch and be sent on our merry way. But there's so many of us, uh, so many people who have lost valuable time, quality time with their children. I remember working for H&S Host and I worked, I worked for that company for 10 years. And we lost two senior executives within a year span. One was actually trying to clean the gutters out of his house and he fell and hit his head and he, he never came out of the coma. And then there was the CEO, Jack McCarthy, who got pneumonia and literally died from it. So two executives in one organization, employees were grief-stricken. We called them associates at that time. They still call them associates. They were grief-stricken. So when the new CEO came on board, who had been groomed by Jack, Ellie Malouf came on board. The first thing he did was cut the hours of travel down for all executives. No more than 30% travel for any executive. Because what happened to Jack McCarthy was that he was traveling maybe 67% of the time back and forth to Italy and here and here and there. And, and as he got up there in age, I'm assuming that he was somewhere in his 60s or so. And so he... The new CEO realized that a lot of them had, and the new CEO himself had little children. He had like three little toddlers. And, and he just said it wasn't worth it. What matters is families. What matters is people. When leaders recognize that people are the organization, they are why you exist. There are why you have revenue coming to your bottom line. It's because of your people. And I've noticed because I teach HR organizational behavior and HR management, and I've noticed that many companies, only a few right now, but some of them are coming around to moving away from that HR title for some reason. You know, they don't want to be recognized as human resources. And I see that you like that. If you look at Chipotle's, Chipotle, I'm sorry, Chick-fil-A's organizational structure, they have a vice president of people. They're sending a message that we we value our human capital here. We value our employees. And that's what employees want. They want to be valued. They want to know that they're worth it. So you have to pay them. And I'm talking about equal pay. My dissertation was on um, the imbalance of female CEOs, CEOs in, in, in uh, the hospitality industry. Like they're... The hospitality industry has 70% of the workforce is female, but yet there you can find maybe one or two at the highest levels of leadership. So equal pay is important. And now restaurants can't find anyone to hire. Retail people can't find anyone to hire. Why? Because people are like, we're not, we're not working for pennies anymore. They're sick and tired of working for companies, working themselves to death while they're just living from paycheck to paycheck. You know, I know that um, there's been, I don't know if you've heard about gravity payments. The CEO, Dan Price, I usually use him as a case study in some of my MBA classes when I'm teaching. He was that young CEO who raised all of his employees' salary to $70,000, and he decreased his from a million to a $70,000. Well, initially it was a rash decision. I didn't think it was a very smart decision, but over time it's turned out to work out okay for him. 
because I couldn't imagine going from a million dollar income to $70,000. I'm pretty sure his income to debt ratio was, was way out of balance when that happened. But I saw I saw an article on, on it the other day, and it was amazing that many of those employees are happy working for this company. They are buying homes. They're starting families. He saw this inequality in the workplace and did something about it for his company. So I, I, my hat's off to him. It is, it, he's wondering why no one else is following suit and why there's such a disparity between the CEO's income and your regular employees. Well, employers need to recognize that if employees' basic needs, you can go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs if you want to, and you know safety is in there. So if you're not mandating that your employees are vaccinated to come back to work without infecting everybody else, um, then, then that's why your employees are not coming back to work. I'm not putting myself in danger. I'm not going to do that. So yeah, people are recognizing their work. They're like, I can work, I can work remote. I'm doing, I don't have to worry about the commute. I'm doing just fine. I can do that. So employers, the organizations have to change. They're now changing their structure. Remember, there's a, a huge reduction in office space. Office space become available because employers are recognizing we don't need this much space anymore because half of my employees are working from home. So I don't think we're ever going back to the way things used to be. I think things are forever changed. But organizations have to change with the people. And... I would say people have to take self-assessment of themselves as well. You know, like, like look in the mirror and say, well, what can I do to um, continue to take care of my family? Sometimes that decision may be to leave your job. And many of them have left their job. I was on LinkedIn the other day. I was reading something about a young lady who was in the HR profession. She says, I submitted, I talked to my husband and I submitted my letter of resignation today. You know why? She says, because leadership will not work with me strategically as an HR professional. So she is sick and tired and she says, I've got to go. And, and organizations are letting knowledge walk out the door because they can't sit down and make make sure that HR is a partner in the strategic planning in the organization, which is huge, by the way. They should always be a part of the strategy. Because again, the people are your most valued resources in, in the organization. Without them, you're not doing anything. So I don't understand this thing of uh, separating yourself. And I know that Buddy was talking about servant leadership. I want to add that emotional intelligence, which is which is also a part of my dissertation, is a huge factor. Yeah, we we think that everyone has empathy. We may think that everyone has has compassion. They don't. They don't. And it is a skill that has to be learned by many people, just like communication skills must be developed. Some of us are very good at it because we're it's innate for us, but others have to actually learn that skill. But to learn to listen. We can hear really, really well, but how many of us can listen effectively? 
That's another thing leaders need to do. Make sure that they're listening. And I think Buddy did mention that. Being able to listen to your employees. And you work for these big companies. Every time, you know, they have these annual surveys where they're supposed to hear what the people in the organization, the employees have to say. But then they're supposed to take the results of that survey and make some some changes and, 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 and to benefit the company and to benefit the employees. But how many of them just take the survey and take, throw the information away? Or they just uh, walk in the walk, but not, you know, just talking about it rather than, rather than doing what they say they should be doing. So that's how uh, people and organizations um, change to grow during this pandemic. Again, it is not going to be, I just don't see it. Unless, I, unless there's something going on that I don't know about, I just don't see it going back to what it was. I mean, again, I teach two days a week and I commute to Virginia, and it's a wonderful commute. I enjoy the ride. Uh, because the roads are not clogged, uh, people are still working from home and doing do, and doing things like that. But I mean the long working hours. You know, people working for long hours, working so much for their employees. At some point in your life, because it happened to me, you have to say enough. I will work for myself. And fortunately, I was in a position to do that. I work for me, which means that you will put in as much as you want to get what you want. And my, my daughter, she's an IT professional. She used to say, Ma, they just want me to work all the time. This sucks being an adult. This sucks. I'm just, what I got to do, do this for 50 years or so? And then I said, yeah, that's pretty much how the system's worked out. I said, but you don't have to do it that way. Think of an entrepreneurship. If there's something that you're passionate about, there's something you want to do. Think of that. You want to create something. You're very creative. Create, a, create an app. So the millennials today are thinking much differently than my generation. You know how we go. We, we were very loyal loyal to our employer, and we would stay there for three years and, and, and 40 years and, and, and think we've done a good thing. Millennials today, they barely stay on the job two or three years before they hop into another one with a $5,000 or $10,000 increase. But that's because they're following their dream. They're like, we're not going to be like our parents. We're not going to be stuck. We're not going to be stuck, no. So realizing what, what they've been missing out on with, with um, being at home with their families and... and uh, uh, People just not, they're, they're in no hurry. <laughs> they are in no rush to go back. Um, and they're finding a way to, to um, earn an income. You know, you have your Uber drivers and your Lyft drivers and you have your people who are doing all the delivering. Um, I am a huge advocate of entrepreneurship. If you can find a way to, to legally, legally make money, do your own thing, I am. I love supporting small businesses because I know that small businesses is the heart of the economy. Absolutely. And you know, um, t- tell us about your book. Okay. Tell us about your book before we go to tell us because I don't want you to miss that. Um, okay. Please, I don't. I don't want the audience to miss that. Tell us about your book. How can we get the book? How can we get the book? Okay, I was. I was going to wrap up about what you wanted about people and organizational change and growth. Okay. No, go, no, so, no. Go ahead. Add it in the book, please. Okay, so go ahead and add it in the book. Okay, okay. Um, 
Well, right before um, um, my daughter passed, I had just finished the book, and the book is based upon my life. I am a, a, a PK, by the way. I'm a preacher's kid. So if you hear a little oratory there, um, uh, that's probably where it comes from. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not exactly what you would call a religious person, but I'm highly spiritual. I have a strong faith. Uh, my faith is strong. My faith is not shaken. And I've been through quite a bit. Uh, uh, I went through 18-year marriage. Went through, I had dealt with some domestic violence. And, and the thing that, um, that, I felt, that I was concerned about the most during the COVID um, lockdown especially were women who were like me who probably were trapped um, not just women though because I uh, domestic violence can be it could be a man as well who is, who's who's being abused or children but I know that there was a rise and I saw some studies the other day from academic journals how there was a rise in domestic violence during this particular time because usually going to work every day is a woman's or the uh, victim's escape to get ex to get away from it. But but if you're in a lockdown, there's nowhere to go. So during that time, my heart was definitely um, feeling compassion and empathy for those people who were perhaps being abused in this situation, and then mental health as well. Those who were suffering from mental health for what for various reasons. Um, but yeah, but um, the five principles that I offer in my book that got me through the situation that I was in um, was first I had to let it go. And when I said let it go, I had to not hate my husband for the things that he had done to me. And it was my spiritual background that allowed me to do that. Now, everyone can't do that. And the reason why I shared my story was because I know that many people can't do it the way I did it. I did it without vitriol. I did it without hate. Um, and I give very uh, various stories about how I was able to turn the other cheek. And, and you know, the, the, the scripture that says, vengeance is mine, said the Lord, I will repay. I didn't have to wish anything upon anyone, anything bad to happen to anyone or to do anything. I just let God take care of it. Um, I was able to self-assess, look at myself to see I'm not perfect. Um, in a marriage, there are two people. So there had to be some things that I wasn't doing that was so good or so great or that obviously didn't please him. So I, I self-assessed and I, and I found a way to, to reach some of my professional and personal goals in life where I was able to complete three degrees within a 10-year span because I was just com completely focused on making sure that I was putting myself in a position to take care of my daughters with or without the support of their father. The other one is that I had, I had a plan and I planned everything out. I am a planner. And so I like to set goals, short-term, long-term goals, and I like to plan. I think if you don't plan and if you don't put things into a plan and then it, 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 it hinders you from putting it into action. So when I have a plan in front of me, I know that I'm working towards something. Um, then uh, leading by example, which is what leaders should do anyway. Uh, that's a principle that all leaders can do. Lead by example. Don't be one of those do as I say and not as I do type of people. Um, that's hypocritical. So um, lead by example. So I made sure I was, I'm raising two girls. So I want to make sure that I am carrying myself as a, as a, um, a woman of character. 
uh, to make sure my daughters understand how they should be um, and growing up and then persevere. I just didn't give up no matter what came my way. One time when I was getting my MBA, I got pneumonia and almost died, literally almost died. Um, but I kept pressing and graduated with my cohort. And when I was when I was getting my doctorate, my dissertation, um, um, there were several deaths in the family, and I just kept struggling and struggling. I'm like, this is this is worse than giving birth to two kids. But I, I persevered. I became laser focused, and I too again graduated with my cohort. As a matter of fact, I was only one of the few black women that graduated with my cohort of, uh, I think it was about 15 of us. And so, um, so I, I, I thought that was great. Oh, no, listen, we're going to have to get you back on the podcast because <laughs> you got, like I said, those hidden powers. I mean, there is so much, there is so much, there is so much. Will you come back on the podcast for another episode? Absolutely. Okay, good, good. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bring you back. We're gonna bring you back. Let me let me pull in Doug Crow really, really quick. Doctor, doctor, but we we thank you for adding so much value to the podcast. You're coming back, and so we're good with that. We're good with that. Doug Close, sir, we are, oh my goodness, we're ecstatic. We're excited. Oh my goodness. (laughs) We are are losing it right now. Tell us about yourself, what you got going on, sir. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so grateful to be on this podcast, number one, Isaiah. You are, uh, your charisma is like, I can feel it in my, actually, goosebumps when you start out here so please let me allow allow me to do some of my work that I do for my author clients and do it for you right now I'd love to uh, do some press do some PR I'm a, a journalist associate press I'd love to promote your podcast to more people so this is a, a really good opportunity for me as a as a journalist but my main thing as I do is I'm actually a uh, a book publisher speaking of books and, and book marketer and uh, it's the, my my as it relates to COVID. I mean, I've been doing this for twelve years, so I've done, gosh, we've done over like two hundred and eighty number one bestsellers. Um, a lot of people in the leadership space and the wellness and self development, whatnot. It's, it's just been a joy to meet people like yourselves. Actually, it's just uh, the, the story I like to share about that. I think you'll all resonate with too. Is they, uh, I had a I have a coach and uh, my business coach was listening to some of my sales calls. Uh, just last year, uh, right when, right when COVID broke out, actually, and he's listening to my calls, going, "Hey, Doug, uh, you know you're on this one client call, and you're excited and enthused, and he was excited and enthused, and sounds like you get a book deal out of it and help the guy publish his book and make a difference in the world." The second call you had, hey, you weren't rude, but you were kind of bored. It was like there was a lot of energy there. What, what was going on with that call? And I said, well, that guy was about himself and his ego and his business, and he was on TV star and whatnot, and like, I, you know, it didn't really interest me. He said, well, why did you talk to him then? Well, I'm a businessman. I'm in business to help people and put food on the table, so I was, you know, trying to get a book deal done. He said, well, if you don't talk to those people, your business will go up. And I said, Are you, I, you want me to talk to half as many people and make more money? How's that going to work? But I'm paying this guy a lot of money, so I better do what he says, right? So I, I stopped talking to just anybody, and I talked to my team. I said, hey, we're going to rechange our mission statement here. We're only going to do books for people who have a passion or purpose to make a difference in the world. And that sounds a little bit woo-woo, right? Because we do mostly nonfiction business books, but I'm telling you, 
every leadership book that we do has a purpose like like your previous guests are talking about helping people empower themselves whether they're working for a big company small company or themselves giving them the, that authority to lead their life with purpose is so vital so at my age you know i'm i'm 60 i'm like well you know i make money money is important it's fun to have but someday i'm not gonna be around <laughs> so what's my legacy and i my legacy is i want to help people make the world a better place whether that's 10 people or 10,000 or a million I don't know but I know whenever I say that and put that intention out there and talk to my clients about it they get enthused to the point where we're doing some pretty big projects now with the former CMO of Starbucks Asia and a guy who's selling his company for uh, 6.6 .6 billion dollars just this year um, and I'm saying well let's you know there's so much of this divisiveness and garbage and news out there from the left and the right both they're just all just noise to me i just i haven't watched a complete news program in about 20 years and i got tuned in for 9 11 and the pandemic for about 10 minutes like oh gosh whatever you know just leave me alone let me leave my life and so we're working on some pretty important things to bring happiness joy and positivity to the world and it's much harder to sell because people you know people don't watch it as much they watch it they, they like to watch the negative stuff for some reason i mm -hmm. i know the psychological reason for it and i don't want to go into that right now there's another angle to it when we watch shows like uh, uh you know the house fixer up shows and uh, and people and you know you get tears in your eye when you see the, the puppies and stuff so we're working on some things in the news in the media and publishing to bring a positive message and to let people know that yeah for all the crap you see out there there's a hundred times more good things available if you just look for it and i'll, I'll give you a small example of that and i'll turn over to the next question as we can close up i think but at the, at this, when the, you asked about the pandemic right when the pandemic started i'm a deal Carnegie graduate i'm positive i'm happy i publish books for people we have a great time and I haven't watched the news in a long time, so I'm like, yeah, I guess there's something going on out there, but, you know, whatever. And I'm doing my thing and talking to people and I'm not watching the news, but I'm on social media. And, like, nobody was calling me in February March. Like, wait a minute, I have, like, 44 days without a single sale of anybody wanting to get their book done. I'm like, what's going on here? And I took a long bike ride into nature. And I'm riding my bike, and I'm like, what's, what, what's wrong? I'm not... I'm, I'm positive, I'm a leader. And I looked out in the woods and I saw the trees and the trees, you know, swaying in the wind. And I saw these birds, the birds like, you know, flying around and they don't know that this COVID thing exists. They're not participating in the pandemic and they seem really happy and peaceful. And I'm like, well, I wanna, I, I wanna live in this world. Cause this bubble that I was experiencing for that, for that two hours was very, very nice. Like, how can I, I can't really just build a business on the woods, you know, I'm going to be a homesteader, right? So, well, maybe I can bring people to this world, right? So I, I, I realized that it was social media that was actually, had infused some negativity. And even though I was looking at things that were making me, yeah, you know, I have friends left and right and center. I, I'm really independent from a very true standpoint. I have, I've been a libertarian my whole life, actually. And I realized that no matter what I read, whether it was something that made me upset or happy, it was still evoking an emotion in me that Facebook is using just to sell ads. They didn't care about me. They didn't care about my friends. They just want to sell ads. And so I called my social media manager and said, hey, 
you know, I know I'm addicted to this stuff like a lot of people. Could you please change my password and not give it to me? He did it. And for 30 days, guys, I was, I was restricted, not just the TV on my own, because I hadn't done that, but I was restricted to all social media. And wouldn't you know, my business went up 300% last year. Because I'm not participating in the negativity and the drama and the big red fonts on things, talking about all the, all the bad stuff. Now, my fiance's father just died of COVID just two weeks ago. So I'm not immune to the pandemic, but it doesn't mean I have to live in the drama and the negativity and the fear that it is creating. I'm choosing to live abundantly and positively and sharing that message with all my clients and their readers, period. No, keep going. Listen, your voice, <laughs> Doug Crow, your voice is intoxicating. I see oh, why. Wow. I'm, I'm listening to the preacher's kids here. Come on with this idea. You guys are all like wonderful voices, too. Uh, no, your voice, right, right. Uh, I, no, I'm going to agree with that. <laughs> but your voice is intoxicating. I, I see why you're, you're, you're making these blockbuster, you know, movie hits, infomercials all throughout the country because I can listen to you let me, let me, let me say okay I, I know you're a sales guy yeah. like but I hear your passion I hear your passion I hear your heart oh my goodness you know we're out of time listen okay 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 Doug Crow I know you're a very busy man as well is it possible we can get you back on the podcast again another, another day Isaiah I'd be honored Wow. What are the takeaways tonight? Because we're going to definitely invite all of you back on for a discussion. We're out of time, but I still want to do a takeaway. I know there's uh, I know there's things to say. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I knew tonight was going to be just mind-blowing. You got, uh, you got three go good people on your show. You, you need all of us separately because we all have really good stuff to say. I want to hear both, more from both of the other guests today for sure. Agreed. Agreed. My, I'm sorry. My, my takeaway. You want my takeaway? Of course. Already, of course. Uh, my, my takeaway. My takeaway. I already gave it for all the for all the negative things we see out there and trying to make a difference and saying anti this and pro this. Just create. Do my Angelou, man. Just be the change you want to see in the world and stop adding to the fuel of the fire. It's just not helpful. You might think, I have one friend who's really smart, just a brilliant guy, and all he does is post this stuff. It's this brilliant commentary on, on pandemic and government stuff. Oh yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's, it's quoting things and it's brilliant, but you're not changing anyone's mind and you're not making a difference in the world. So what are you gonna do? I'll give you one last example. What I'm gonna do is that you're gonna, you're gonna slip and hear this. There's a library in Denmark that doesn't have any books. I'm not sure you've heard about this. They have people. If you want to check out a person, you go to the library and you sit and talk to a person. Right? And so I saw this. I went, I, I researched it. I'm like, this is awesome, right? They've got, and it was, you know, it's a wide variety of ethnicities and religion, all that stuff. Who cares, right? It was just, it was brilliant. And then I started going, and I'm going through it and I'm looking at it I'm like, this is a good idea. 
all the people are dividing it and finding what they what the difference is when we have 99.9999% of the same DNA. Why are we focusing on this one little thing that I believe in something you don't? Who cares? So part of the program I'm working on with my authors is I'm going to do that in the United States on Zoom. So I'm going to have invite people who aren't authors to give me a 10, 20, 30 minute talk about who they are. And you can check out that person on Zoom. And I'm, I'm experimenting with some ideas on like hiding the camera so you can't see who, what they look like, whatnot, in case they're fat or thin or whatever, or, you know, masking all, any questions that would, that would give somebody cause to find the difference and just find that commonality amongst the human race. And man, that, there's a Heineken commercial I posted on, on, on Facebook the other day that did the exact same thing. Like that is what this country needs is finding our commonality and boy, that's the only way we can heal. Talking about the differences, stop it. Just stop it. Doesn't help. Mrs. Doug, Mrs. Doug Crow, we love you, sir. We love you, sir. <laughs> Who wants to go next? Who wants to go next? Isaiah, I want to add on to what Doug said because I think it's relevant. I think that everybody needs to understand that within their sphere of influence and outside of their sphere of influence, everyone needs to start with transcendence. No blaming, no shaming, no judging. Everyone starts at the highest pinnacle of human existence. You can't fall from grace. No one looks for a reason to put someone down no one glides down the slippery slope. The only way anyone fails is if society fails them. The individual is not as important as the collective, and Doug is absolutely correct. Research shows 94% of humans are identical. The differentiating 6% should not mean anything at all. Lord have mercy. Okay, there, there's, there's, sorry, real quick, there's a, the picture of Einstein on a chalkboard. I saw this just yesterday. He's got one plus nine equals ten. It's like eight equations on the very simple one plus nine, two plus nine, and the very bottom equation he got wrong. And all the other scientists started laughing at him, saying, Oh, you're pointing out the one mistake I made? You didn't point out the eight correct ones I made. <laughs> I think that. Come on, I'll argue with him. Oh, my God. Doctor, take us home. Take us out of here, Doc. Well, I'll 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 stay on that same vein about um, I I am not a big fan of social media uh, because of the negativity, and I don't don't engage. I'm probably going to erase my Facebook page shortly. But anyway, um, I'll use I'll use quote. He says, "He who knows others is clever. He who knows himself is enlightened." And I think if people each individual will continue to learn about themselves and focus on themselves and stop worrying about what everybody else is doing. Like he just said, stop judging and putting people down. It's just everybody has something to say about everything. And it's sickening. Why does everybody have, have something to say about everything, which is usually never positive? And um, so, if, and I believe that if you focus on you and not others, you'll be a better place. <laughs> <laughs>